0: We are going to be starting today a journey with Jesus that will carry us through Easter Sunday. And we're going to be journeying along the way with a storyteller named Mark. About twenty years or so after Jesus' life, ministry, death, resurrection, yet all these people who were telling stories about Christ, because what people witnessed in Jesus changed everything, and they wanted to share it. And so they told the stories of what happened. They told stories of what they believed was still happening because of Jesus. But right around 20 years or so, When some of those first hand eyewitnesses were getting older, maybe some of them were passing away, the early church started to feel like they needed to capture those stories. They needed to not only tell them, they needed to write them down so that people who would come after them, so that we would have access to those firsthand accounts of what it was like when God walked among us. And the reason that I want to begin by pointing out what may seem pretty obvious is that we don't get to make Jesus be whoever we want him to be. We have to come back time and again to the The real stories of who Jesus actually was, and we believe still is. How he actually treated people. The the place in life that he embraced. The kind of family he was born into. And where they happened to be in the social ladder of the first century. The the kinds of people that he called to follow him closely and eventually not only to follow him but to become followers who were also leaders. The way he interacted with people who were broken and hurting. The way he interacted with the people who were making it harder on those who were struggling. The, The decisions that he made the struggles that he faced. Jesus is a historical fact. And I realize that that's important to all of us, but it's not important to all of us for the exact same reason. And I I, I just want to make it clear that one of the things that becomes inconvenient for us at times is we don't get to make Jesus be whoever we want him to be. We don't get to make Jesus support our causes. We don't get to remake him. He remakes us. And so I'm not only interested in the historical reality, the truth of Jesus, in order to prove to someone who doesn't yet believe in that historical fact, in other words, to win an argument. I'm interested in the historical fact of Jesus because I want to make sure that I am not ignoring who Jesus really was and who I believe he still is. And that Jesus, the Jesus who's not up for negotiation, that Jesus calls me time and again to be somebody I'm not yet. He reminds me of the sometimes careless ways I assume that Jesus cares about the things I already care about and wants to fight the same fights I'm busy trying to win. Jesus is a truth he's a way and a life, but he's a truth. And we have to come to terms with it as Christian people time and again. And so that's why we're going to be focusing on Jesus for the next several weeks. And and I just want to ask every single person in this room, regardless of where we are on our journey of faith, that we come again to the truth of Jesus and we open ourselves up to be lovingly interrogated, to have our hearts sifted again, to ask once more, am I really following or am I doing what I want to do and calling it following? We have a servant king and he's calling us to that same way of life. And it's not always going to make sense to us. It's not always going to be easy for us. It is going to be relentlessly challenging. But it is worth it. Let's turn together to Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him and confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing that made it clear he was a prophet just like the prophets of old, right? So he wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now that Doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but it'd be like saying he wore scrubs and a white coat and he had a stethoscope around his neck. And you'd know what he did. I mean, this is kind of a cruel joke, but you know, it'd be like he's wearing all black and a little badge and he's holding a donut, right? Like, you know, it's it's just a generalization. It's a signal, Right? If I was going to make fun of preachers, I'd say, you know, they have too much product in their hair and it's doing stuff you're not sure about. And they shake your hand a little too long. Whatever, right? Like it's it's obvious to everybody that he's not just some other preacher, he's a prophet. And so they're listening to him differently. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Right? He's making it clear. This isn't about me. I know I have your attention right now, but this isn't going to be about me. I'm a part of this story, but I'm just getting you ready for the main event. I baptize you with water. Right? I'm... I'm listening to you confess your sins and I'm cleansing you so that you can have a new start, so that you can, you can change your heart and lives, the direction of where you're going. But all of that is so that you can actually be baptized, you can be cleansed, not just your body, but your heart and your soul, so that you be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Mark just says, at that time... Jesus came from where he was, from Nazareth in Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. He did what everybody else was doing. He doesn't call a bunch of attention to himself. We're not even sure from the way Mark tells us this story if much of anyone noticed Right? Because it says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my Son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. This, this encounter with the Spirit and, and with God the Father, it feels very personal here. And the beginning of Jesus' ministry is God's declaration That before he does anything, God is already pleased with who he is. And pleased with what he's dedicating his life to do. That once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Now one of the things you might notice already, you know we've got four gospels. Matthew's really focused on helping the the people of Israel who missed the Messiah because they were expecting the Messiah to do something else. They, They were mostly expecting the Messiah to be a kind of military political leader who put them back on top. Jesus was uninterested in that and so they were basically uninterested in him. Matthew's got to try to make an argument to them that no, actually this was the long awaited Messiah and let me tell you, what that means. Luke says that he sets out to tell the most complete account. And so Luke's trying to find and put down stories that maybe other people have missed. Other people haven't written them down. John is doing, the closest thing I can say is an impressionist painting. He's not interested in photographic details. He's trying to to help us experience and see Jesus in a way that's different from the other three Gospels. Mark is the gospel that I think is uniquely it's uniquely tailored to a culture like ours that doesn't have enough time for just about anything. Mark isn't going to slow down. His favorite word is immediately. He uses it 42 times. Now you're not going to notice that depending on your translation because it's so redundant translators come up with other phrases that still mean immediately. at once right after, soon after. Those are all, every time you come across a phrase that means really, really quick, it's immediately. Mark has no time to focus on the details even of Jesus' teaching for the most part. He just says, Jesus taught them, and immediately he went on. Mark knows that we have a lot in our lives that's pulling us in a lot of different directions, and he's gonna have to work hard to both get our attention and hold our attention, and he's up to the challenge. He's going to keep things going. All he says about what happens in the wilderness, and that's a pretty amazing story in the other gospels. All he says is yeah, he was out in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. Let's get on with it. Mark's got somewhere to go it's the cross. And the reason he's rushing to the cross is it's the key. And he knows that we're going to be tempted all along the way to assume things about Jesus. That he's mostly about power. That he's mostly somebody who becomes a leader. That he's mostly someone who's... amazing. He's, he does these miracles and all these people can't get enough of him. And, and we read that or we hear that and we imagine that and we think, yeah, that's wh- who I, who I want to be. And Mark's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is going somewhere. This is going somewhere that you're not expecting. And then when you get there, you're going to look back at the rest of all of this and you're going to see it in a new light. Mark wants to get to the cross to help us understand who Jesus is from the very beginning. But he doesn't have any time for Jesus to be a baby in a manger. Let's get on with it. We're going to have to work. Even at the speed, Mark's trying to tell the story. We're going to have to work to pay attention. You're probably having to work to pay attention right now. But I promise you, it's worth it. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. That's the title. And it reminds us, right, that we all need this good news. And news is, by definition, current. And in our world, it can't just be news. You have to tell me it's breaking news and put it in red letters. And guess what? There are channels that will do that for you every 12 and a half minutes or whatever it is that they need to keep you watching the channel, or keep you scrolling, what do they call it, doom scrolling, we all, all of us, right, we, we encounter what the world calls breaking news. It's current. It's happening right now. Almost all of it is bad. And into the midst of all of those voices, and all of those warnings, and all of that chaos, Mark says, excuse me for a minute, I have breaking news, and it's good. Do you have a minute? And it reminds us that we all need breaking news that can rescue us from all that is breaking us. And that is what the gospel is. It is breaking news that is rescuing us from all the things that are currently breaking us. This is not just an account about a Jewish man 2000 years ago who did a bunch of really amazing things and we're just we just happen to be still talking about him mark wants us to understand that the gospel story is big enough for your life story to find a place in it that it is still unfolding that it is still happening that that it's all still immediate that it's now that somehow something happens, that it's, that it's unfolding. And yeah, it's been 2,000 years since it started. But it's not losing steam for Mark. It's picking up speed because over and over again we find the truth that Jesus is the way God gets to us. God reaches us. God finds us. God embraces us. And God finds all kinds of ways to wake us up. And whatever else we want to call that, Mark calls calls it Jesus. It's the beginning of breaking news. It's happening now. It's happening to us. And it takes our imagination to see it, but it's real. And we're caught up in it. The gospel is not only an historical event It is a present-day miracle that is still transforming all of us if we'll let it. And we need to know how it all began. And right here in the first 13 verses, there's a couple of things going on. And I just want to kind of set this foundation because we're going to come back to these themes throughout this series. The first is... Jesus shows us things about God that we simply can't see any other way. Mark tells us, this is the beginning of the good news, Jesus, the Son of God. Very clear, very direct. We know the titles that Jesus has. He's the Christ, he's the Messiah, but he's also the Son of God. And that title, the Son of God, is not a role. Is not, it's not something that anybody was expecting. Yeah, they expected God to choose somebody and uh, empower him and, and cause him to, to become someone of prominence and power and influence and to deliver the people from the suffering and the difficulties that they were facing. They, they in other words, were expecting some chosen one to rise up, But what they were not anticipating is that that person would be God in the flesh. And brothers and sisters, so many of us are so familiar with that miracle that it doesn't even register with us how mind-blowing that is. And here's the main thing I want to say about this. And again, we'll come back to this, this theme over and over again because we're going to need to be reminded. But the main thing I want to point out to you is I'm not very good at math. I'm a little better at theology. This is bad math, but it's really good theology. Jesus is not half God, half human. He's fully God and fully human at the same time without cheating. Can't make sense of that. You have to believe to trust it. But it is worthwhile to wrestle with what does that mean? How can we at least partially get our, our heads and our hearts wrapped around it? So here, here's what I'll say. We tend to talk about God the Father in ways that are very different from how Jesus interacts with us. We talk about God the Father in ways that are more abstract, that are Unlimited. I get the sense at times it's almost like God kind of created everything and then set it in motion and has kind of stepped back and is almost coolly detached from it. And then, but we have this really, you know, good friend, Jesus. And I think when we do that, we're separating the mystery of the Trinity in ways that are not entirely helpful. You know, it's not like you sinned and God the Father got really mad at you, so mad at you that he was going to fly into a murderous rage, but then God the Son said, wait a minute, I'll take the bullet, and then God the Father stopped back. No, God the Father saw what sin was doing to us in our world and found a way to rescue us by sending Jesus. Now, What that means is that Jesus is not an exception to the rule of what it means to be God. Jesus is the best, clearest glimpse we're ever going to get of the heart of God. And the key challenge to me is that Jesus shows us that the only way to love someone in a way that saves them is to sacrifice yourself. Another way to think about it is this, that a God who could remain limitless and distant closes that distance and chooses human limitations for the sake of love. Nobody does it to him. He chooses it. You know that song, that old song we used to sing? I'm sorry for those of you who are at the winter formal. I'm trying to hurry. I'm proud that you're here. Uh, I remember being sleepy the, the next day. So, you know, you, that, that song we used to sing, he could have called? Yeah, you better believe. If I could do that, I would win every argument I've ever had ever. Because I'd snap my fingers and just have them show up behind me. And say, do you really want to do this? Right? Like, God chooses in Jesus limits for the sake of having a relationship with you where God understands you and understands the challenges that you have. God loves you so much that he gives up all of these unlimited options he would otherwise have just to be with you. I heard a story once, I don't know if it's true, but I hope it's true, about a a mom and a little, a son, about a a five-year-old son, and they were walking into the grocery store and you know that section outside of some grocery stores that's just all glass that that a bird had gotten in there. And was frantically trying to get out and couldn't get out. And the little guy said to his mom with tears starting to roll down his cheeks, I wish I could turn into a little bird and show him how to get out and go home. Right? That's what Jesus Jesus does. That's what God does. No one makes him. He chooses it. Now, here's what that means for us. Is that if we're going to follow in the example of Jesus, we no longer get to to do all the things we want to do and expect that to nurture the the relationships of the people around us, and, and in other words you and I have all kinds of options of what we could force on other people. We we have ways that we can kind of throw our weight around. We have ways that we can constantly try to fight our own limitations. But if we're going to be in relationships with one another where there's saving grace, we're gonna have to sacrifice what we could do for what we know we should do. That's what we learn about God in Jesus. Jesus is not some 33-year exception to the rule, Jesus is the primary best way God knows how to relate to us. And he's trying to show us how we need to relate to one another. Which leads us to Jesus showing us things about ourselves that we simply can't see any other way. Right? It's not just about God. It's about us. It's about humanity. Sometimes I think we reduce Jesus' life and ministry to simply this morally perfect life so that he can serve as a, as a sin sacrifice to rescue us from the consequences of the mistakes we've made. That's absolutely true, but I think there's a lot more going on than that. If all we needed was a perfect sin sacrifice, Jesus could have been here for a solid week, not sinned and already had the record. There's something more going on. And I think what he's actually doing is showing us What a human life can be if you never betray a relationship. See, that's the thing. Sin is never just the breaking of a rule. It's always the betrayal of a relationship. Jesus never betrays himself. He doesn't betray the people he's with. And he doesn't betray God. And instead of thinking it as some unobtainable moral standard that we benefit from and we're thankful for, what if we saw it as an invitation to believe that the more we learn how to not betray one another or God or ourselves, the more we're going to experience the life that Jesus shows us is possible. In my uh, Bible 101 class at ACU, I, I try to get my students to wrestle a little bit with you know how human we actually believe Jesus was so I ask them questions like do you think Jesus ever struggled with anxiety and there's always some students that recoil at that question because they they can't picture an anxious Jesus and then they say things like well he knew everything that was going to happen well did he I don't know what he knew. I can't tell what he knew. I know he chose limits for the sake of love, and it seems to me that some of those limitations were how much he he chose to know about exactly what everybody was going to do around it. I don't know, but I'll tell you what. When you're in a garden one night and you're sweating drops of blood, I'm pretty sure the term we would use for that is wrestling with anxiety. I ask them, do you think Jesus would be nervous before he went to a party? On the other hand, do you think Jesus could bring life to a dull party? (laughs) He does that more than once. Here's the question that they always hate. Do you think Jesus was physically attracted to someone? No, no, no. You know, he created people, so he appreciates, you know, just the aesthetic beauty of people. But no, he couldn't, he couldn't be physically attracted to someone. Really? So, so Jesus' sexuality wasn't a part of who he was, but he expects our sexuality to be a part of our discipleship? What, what's going on here? You may be asking yourself that same question. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is I don't think we've reflected deeply enough about all that Jesus willingly gives up to help us see what a human being can be when they don't betray a relationship, that that's actually it's a life we don't choose, but it is a life that's open to us, that's available to us. It's a, it's a version of life you and I can experience more and more as we grow and develop into people who choose relationships over power, who choose friendships over fame, who choose to, to relate to one another as equals rather than to try to say who's in, in charge and who's not. Like we, we can have that life. We just want other things more. Jesus isn't trying to beat us up. Jesus is trying to wake us up to what a human being fully alive looks like. And we're going to learn over and over again that that life, it's not just meaningful. It's, it's a life that calls other people into it, that brings healing, that brings grace, that helps to start change them more, and, and, and just in all kinds of different ways, to change them into people who don't just benefit, who don't just receive, but they become people who can offer that same goodness to the the people in their lives who need it. Jesus teaches us the distance that God is willing to go, the limits that God is willing to take, and he also shows us who we could be if we really learned how to trust God more than we trust ourselves. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that Jesus comes into our world. Jesus comes into our world and he's doing it to help us believe again that a different world is still possible. That a different way of life is still possible. And I I, I just, I want you to spend this week thinking about that different way of life that Jesus models he 's one person who, because he never betrays a relationship, his way of life was so, it was such a shining example that we 're talking about it over two thousand years later. One person who lives that way changes everything. If we could be a community of people who are even halfway living that way. I promise you we would not be able to control all of the folks who would want to come. Spend time with us, spend time with you, asking you what is it about you that's making you different? What is it about you that, that's helping you live a way of life where, where you're just unlike anyone else? That you're not looking out for yourself, but you're, you're focused on the needs of others. That you, you think about what you can do to help serve others. That you're not in it for yourself. That you're in it for them. That you view relationships as opportunities to bless and not just as a chance to get. If we could just grow together, a church, more and more into people who don't just think about Jesus, but think like Jesus. Who live more and more like Jesus. I'm telling you. That kind of church is the hope of the world because it's Christ. It's not just us. That world is still possible. And when we decide, no, nah, Jesus was just a one off. It was just God kind of doing something different for a little while, and, and then he was a different kind of person than we can ever be, and I'm so thankful for it, but now I'm just waiting for him to come back and, and I'm just gonna try to get through this world the best I can, and everybody else does it, and everybody else lives. I am so sick of hearing people justify bad behavior by saying everybody does it. Jesus didn't do it. That's all that matters. Church, we need to want it more. We need to want to learn from Jesus more. We need to want to live like Jesus more. Not because we're trying to prove to God that we're morally. Superior to anybody else, but because we're proving to ourselves that we actually trust God enough to do what He says to have a good life. It's Jesus and nothing else. We're going to sing together now, and uh, as we do, our shepherds and their wives are going to be standing at these th- three sets of double doors, the, the larger exits. They're there to talk with you, to pray with you. If you came this morning with anything, that you'd like to pray about, talk about, if you want to know more about what it means to, to start a relationship, a, a journey with Jesus, if, if you want to learn more about baptism, whatever it is, uh, we invite you to go to those couples as together we stand. In